Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 11 of Putting the Real in Real Estate. I'm your host, Glenn Hawkersmith, and as always, I want to thank you for spending some of your precious time with me today. I hope everyone is staying healthy, mentally as well as physically, as we head into the end of April and look forward to hopefully a much better May, as it seems that we may be able to at least start the process of getting back to normal in May. So today's episode is entitled Weathering the Storm Part 2. And it's a lender roundtable where I will speak with three of my favorite local mortgage professionals by Zoom call to discuss the current state of the mortgage market and the effect that COVID-19 is currently having on it. Also, we will pull out our crystal ball and discuss what we might expect to see moving forward. So whether you are a, a real estate professional or someone who is currently in the market to buy or sell a home or just thinking about it, you won't want to miss today's discussion, which, by the way, will also be posted to YouTube and Facebook. So if you would like to check out the video, links will be posted in the show notes at puttingthereelinrealestate.com. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, I'm going to start by introducing everyone individually, and then we will get started with our roundtable discussion. So first is Brad C. Brad is a mortgage broker, co-founder and CEO of Kentucky and a Mortgage Group, and Brad was featured on episode five of the podcast, if you want to check that out. Uh, Brad, thanks for joining us, and welcome in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Next up is Selena Jones. Selena is a senior loan officer and regional manager at TBF Mortgage Company, and she was also featured on episode six of the podcast. If you'd like to check that out and learn more about her, Selena, welcome. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Excited to see friendly faces uh, during this crazy time. So yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, last but certainly not least is Barry Gary. Barry is a mortgage professional with United Financial Group and an avid podcaster himself. You can check out his new podcast, I Love Kentucky, wherever you download your favorite podcast. Barry, welcome to you. Glenn, thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. So Thanks to each of you for taking time to join us today. The stay-at-home order has been extended to May 1st in Indiana, at least. I'm not sure what the status is in Kentucky as of today, but it's pretty clear that nothing's going to change uh, with that, at least before May 1st. The real estate market, it's still moving, albeit with significantly less volume. I saw the March numbers came out yesterday, and home sales were down 8.5% nationally in March. The NAR is saying sales could decline 30 to 40% in the coming months, I guess mostly because of low inventory. So I'd like to kick this off by just having each of you kind of give a brief update on your business and, and your current state of operations first. Brad, how busy are you right now? And kind of give us the breakdown between actual resales and refinance. We're staying pretty busy. Obviously, the pipeline um, and our pendings have dropped a little bit over March because rates were really good. We bunch of refinances, things have tightened up a little bit and I would say it's slowed down, but it's not slow. We've got everybody working from home. 
it's kind of, um, you know, our new normal, but uh, we've got everybody um, set up working from home every day and things are going well. I think in the future rates are going to be low, so I'm not doing any refinances right now. Um, I've got one cash out refinance that wants to redo some bathrooms, but anybody that's contacting us for refinance, we're telling them, let's wait. We think rates, we kind of got it on good authority that rates could hit, you know, three or maybe even under on a 30 year fixed in third quarter. So I don't think now is the time to refinance things, wait and see kind of situation. So 95% of the pipeline right now is purchased still. Brad, you said the you said a trigger word for me, new normal. We'll we'll get back to that later. But Selena, how about yourself? Well, I mean, things are good. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to share with, you know, my real estate agents that I'm working with and, you know, potential people who want to get pre-approved is that I still have a lot of people applying to get pre-approved. People still want to buy a house even amongst all of this, you know, craziness and things like we've never seen before. People still want to buy a home. People still want to list a home. You know, I have, I have several agents that have people that are ready to list, you know, as soon as things are, you know, starting to, you know, get a little bit more, and I don't know, like he said, new normal, but, you know, where they feel like they can list a little safer. Um, but I'm doing a lot of pre-approvals. I'm still closing deals. Um, I've got mostly purchases going right now. I've got a few refis sprinkled in there, but you know, throughout my career, I'm, I'm really purchase driven. I mean, I love working with my buyers. That's my heart. So, you know, of course I serve them after they close their deal later, if it becomes an opportune time to refinance, I do always follow up with them, but you know, my main focus is always going to be, you know, on our purchases. And, you know, I still, I'm still very, you know, I'm busy. So I feel like there's hope coming. And, you know, when some of this uncertainty is gone, I do feel like it's going to open up. And all these people that have been stuck in their houses and doing all these projects, I mean, if you look at Lowe's and Home Depot, I mean, they've been nuts. So people are doing things, you know, it might be a good time to list your home after you've just gotten all your checklists done. So Hopefully that's going to happen and we'll all be really, really busy soon. So Barry, how about yourself? Tell me what's going on in your, your neck of the woods. Well, it, it's real similar to what's going on with, with Brad and Selena. I mean, we're still very busy and it's, and, and I went back and looked at some of our, uh, some of the volume we've had over the past few weeks. And it's really kind of strange, you know, two weeks ago, you know, I had 10 loans and seven of them were refis and three of them were purchases. You know, last week I had 10 loans and I had, you know, seven purchases and three refis. And so it's, it's really kind of, um, it's a little bit all over the place, you know, it just depends on your, your situation, but, but we're staying very busy. You know, like Selena, we're still taking pre-approvals and I'm still, you know, the refis are a little bit different. I'm, uh, I'm taking the information, building the file and saying, Hey, let's, let's hold on to this. Let's target a rate. And when that rate comes around, we'll be ready to move on it. And so we're putting it, people in a position where they can still take advantage of things that happen because, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you've, I've seen rates change, you know, the, you know, a full percentage point throughout the day sometimes. And so you can catch a rate at some point and, and you look at it two hours later and it's, it's something you wouldn't want to touch with a 10 foot pole, but, but we're still taking applications. We're still, you know, building files. We're doing a lot of uh, purchase work and, and there's always that it, it's, it's kind of, um, I think Selena sort of, you know, kind of alluded to this in that purchase market. There's always that group of people that, that still have to move and we're finding 
a lot of activity in that 250k down range. You know, you've got people who are their families are growing, they're changing jobs, a lot of things in their life circumstances still put them in a position where they want to move. So, so we're seeing a lot of volume in that 250k range. Yeah, I agree. From the realtor side, you know, I tried to shut things down for a couple of weeks and and just kind of lay low for a little bit. And people are very persistent out there. If if you need to move, you need to move. So last week I, I got three accepted offers for my buyers. One of the homes that we rode on um, had six offers on it and it was in that under $250,000 range that you were just talking about, you know, it was in that one one seventy range. So there, <laughs> the market's definitely still moving, but you know, it, it, it is anything but business as usual. You know, there were 22 million new unemployment applications over the past month. And I think the unemployment rate is somewhere around 13% right now, which is like crazy high. And I think it's definitely going to be going to go up. Have you seen the effects of this already on your business? Have any of you lost clients that were previously qualified and who are not now? Well, I'll just uh, throw something out there real quick. And one of the things I'm working with all my realtors on is telling them, if you had somebody that was pre-approved two, three weeks ago, you know, now's a real good time to touch base with them to see if their circumstances are the same relative to some of the, the new guidelines. You know, it's, and not every lender is following a lot of the, the, the new overlays, but most of them are being a little bit more consistent with it. And, and you may have approved somebody with a, a 240 you know, a, a 640 credit score two weeks ago that, that will have a hard time getting into a loan today. So, you know, the big thing is, is just, you know, keeping the communication open and checking with your clients and, and just kind of taking another look at them relative to where we are today with some of our guidelines, because things certainly have tightened up a little bit. Brad, how about you? Yeah. Unfortunately, we've lost a few deals, people getting furloughed, um, beach building tools shut down. Um, they had a confirmed case and shut down. Um, which cost one of my clients a house because um, of that shutdown. So that's happening. But, you know, like Barry said, it's just conversation. You know, we're pretty much asking everybody that, you know, is up asking us for an updated prequalification letter. Okay, I'll be happy to send this to you. Has your income or jobs, um, current job status been impacted by uh, COVID-19? So loss in hours, um, reduction in pay. Um, we've kind of seen employers... Uh, run the gamut on things that they're doing to try to keep their businesses open. And, and unfortunately, if your income is impacted um, by it, you can no longer qualify at this point. Selena, anything to add to that? I had, I, fortunately, I've only had one deal where I wasn't able to close because the buyer lost their job in association with all of this. Um, I've had a couple of times where they've had some reduction in paying. We were still able to make it work. So I've been really fortunate. Um, for the most part, a, a lot of my buyers are still able to work, whether it be from home, and so they're still getting paid. So that's been good. Um, you know, I agree. Anyone who I have within the last couple months pre-approved, you definitely want to, you know, confirm that before we write an offer um, because situations have just changed. Nice thing about me, and I don't. I know Brad, I don't know much about what um, Barry does, but I have different mortgage companies that I broker through. So I have options and that's kind of nice. So there are different lenders who are handling the overlays a little bit different. Some are being much more conservative than others. Um, so that allows me to be able to 
kind of see if I can shop around and find a bank that's still going to be, you know, able to work with that buyer. Yeah. I had a situation where I, I have a listing and we've been under contract. We've been through inspections, been through appraisals and they were using a, a local bank. And, uh, this particular buyer happens to work for a company who builds parts for Ford. So naturally Ford shut down. Well, they got shut down. She got laid off and without that VOE, we couldn't move forward. So this bank was going to try to maybe see if they could move her to a, one of their portfolio loans and it, it still just wasn't going to work. So, you know, we had to make a decision on the seller side. Okay. What do we do? Do we cut this person loose and put the house back on the market? And this was right when the the latest executive order hit where they kind of said, we don't want you meeting in person, showing homes in person unless it's absolutely necessary. So I had the discussion with my, my sellers and we felt like it was probably in our best interest to just extend this contract because the buyer had kind of a, a, a commitment date to return to work of, of May 6th, I believe it was. So we decided, hey, let's extend this contract two weeks. And then in two weeks, which I think is here in a couple of days, we're going to kind of reconvene, see what the story is on the buyer's job situation. If it still looks like they're going to go back to work on May 6th, then, then we'll move forward. If not, then, you know, maybe we make another decision. But like I explained to my seller, you know, if we put the house back on the market, yeah, we could find another buyer tomorrow, but who's to say that buyer's still going to be employed in two weeks? So, and then you've got to go through, get another appraisal, go through the inspection process again. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, you kind of have to make decisions on a, on a case by case basis there. So I wanted to ask you all, do you anticipate lenders adjusting their employment guidelines to account for these temporary layoffs once this is all over with? And Glenn, I want to throw just something in about what you just said, what Selena just said before we move on to that next question, because it's it's a great point that Selena made that, you know, there are some lenders that have a variety of investors that they can shop with. And, and I think the Ford example is a perfect example. I mean, we're still doing loans for Ford employees because their union has come back and said, you know, we're going to insure you 40 hour a week pay, even if you're not working through supplemental income. And we're able to use that with some of our investors. So we're still closing loans for Ford employees who aren't technically on the job right now. And so it, it really depends on the lender you're working with and the investor you have for that loan, because some of those deals can still get done. And, it, and it's worth having that conversation with, uh, you know, with someone who can maybe look at your loan from, from different lender perspectives. Anybody else have anything to add on that? No, uh, no predictions on, on what lenders might do um, moving forward. Once this is over, as far as looking at someone who maybe had a temporary layoff where before, if you had that interruption in employment, it might might blow up the loan. Are, do you think they're going to adjust to that? I, I do, honestly, and and and, and that's being optimistic. I, I think that most lenders are going to be very understanding. At the end of the day, you know, without getting too deep in the weeds of the mortgage process, you can pretty much like write a letter of explanation for employment gaps and job history before all this hit. People that were in college, you can use that as job history, like. There's all kinds of creative ways and you can type letters. And as long as the letter and what you're explaining makes sense and that you just weren't being lazy and didn't want to work and you actually, you know, your employer 
furloughed you or temporarily laid you off for a time being. Like, I think that's going to be very easy to explain, and I don't think it's going to hurt people in the future once they go back to work. Yeah, I agree, because normally as long as we can document it, a letter from the employer or somebody to show that it's not that the buyer was slacking off and not working, you know, they weren't able to, so that's not their fault. And and I think maybe, I think it's just going to take time for us to get back to where we were a couple months ago with employment verifications and all of those things, you know, getting through this, I think eventually we'll get back into a normal of, you know, how employment is verified and all of those things, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. And I agree with that hundred percent. I think, I think we're looking at sort of the new normal for the next 12 months or more. And, and some of the, you know, some of the tightening of some of the guidelines will probably stick around for a while. And, and even now, when you think about, you know, states talking about reopening their economies and other people talking about, well, we're going to see a second wave. I think there'll be a little bit of fear in the economy. That's going to keep things a little bit tighter for a little bit longer than what we'd hope. Barry, what's, uh, what are some of those tightened guidelines that you've seen, some of the new requirements or guidelines? I know especially with some of the government-backed uh, mortgages, um, those have changed quite a bit, haven't they? Yeah, there's been a, a lot of change. And, you know, I, I think some of the, the biggest one that affect consumers has to do with, with credit scores, you know, debt-to-income ratios. And when you look at, you know, job requirements, especially if you're self-employed, I mean, sometimes you have to – to, to really look at how your job will be impacted by what's going on. And, and I think the assumption for a self-employed, you know, is that you're probably going to make about 25% less. And so unless you can show, you know, a lot of reserves on hand, you're probably going to have to decrease what your usable income is. Um, we're looking for a little bit higher credit scores from some lenders. Uh, the debt to income ratios are coming down a little bit for some lenders. So I think the whole package has to be a little bit stronger uh, when you look at a borrower than it did, you know, two months ago. Would you all agree with that? I'm yeah, sure you're seeing the same. One thing that, you know, I'm not, I'm not always after prior to this is retirement statements, but we can use retirement statements as reserves to make the file look a little bit better. Um, and for like, you know, rainy day, they could have access to that. So um, I think something's more that's important now is for all of us in to be getting those retirement statements to beef up the, the mortgage application as a whole. So, there's a lot of misconceptions right now. What are some of the biggest misconceptions right now that you all have heard or seen from from potential clients or realtors? Well, I think one of, the, one of the funniest ones is that the, the misconception that the Fed rate and mortgage rates are directly tied together. We have, <laughs> we have people calling us saying, hey, can I get that 0% mortgage now? And, you know, and, and the relationship's not quite that uh, quite that close. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people think, you know, what happens with the Fed rate immediately and automatically impacts mortgage rates. And it's, and it's kind of more of an apples and oranges picture. Yeah. I've seen, I know there when all this really first started and, and everybody saw that the, the Fed dropped their rates to, to zero. I, I saw all of my lender friends posting on social media. <laughs> this does not mean the mortgage rate is zero or does not necessarily mean the mortgage rates have gone down. So yeah, it's kind of like oil, you know, oil prices just went really, really low. So now I'm thinking, Oh, I should be able to get gas for free. Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They should pay you to come get gas. Right. Yeah. So I know there are a lot of people out there right now who, who are laid off. They're struggling with their income and maybe they can't make their mortgage payment right now. So what are some of the options being offered to borrowers right now 
who can't make their mortgage payment. Who wants to take that? <laughs> no one wants to take that one. <laughs> go ahead, Brett. Well, you know, forbearance is a word that that's that's you know all over the place right now, and 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 it's it's one of those options I saw where just this morning, uh, you know, the, the the president of the NAR put out a statement on forbearance just to to make sure people are very very clear that forbearance isn't forgiveness, and you know you do have to pay that money back, and and there's very few lenders who are putting it on the end of it. So you may have a 90 day forbearance. And then at the end of 90 days, you gotta, you gotta pay all those payments. And it's, um, there's really a lot of misconception around there. And there's a lot of other options. I mean, people have been staying in their homes longer than they have, you know, traditionally in the past 20 years right now. So there's a, a, a big pool of equity for a lot of people in their homes. And when, and I'm not suggesting that you go out and, and wipe all the equity of your home, but there is some money there that you could use to help you get through a difficult time. If you need to, you know, Brad was talking about retirement accounts there. You can always borrow from your 401k. There's, there's, I think it's the, the, the best thing you can do in this circumstance is, is talk to your lender and say, Hey, I'm having some difficulties. You know, what are some options I have? Because the temptation is just to press the easy button and use that forbearance, which may put you in, um, you know, in a, a significantly uh, impactful situation a little bit down the road. So, so I'll throw that out there as a beginning point. And yeah, I'm glad you brought would, up uh, forbearance. Go yeah. ahead, Selena. I'm sorry. I would agree with Barry. And I think the thing I'm kind of cautioning people is if there's any way possible that you can continue to make your mortgage payment, I think that is the safest thing for you to do financially because it's not all clear right now. There's just a lot of uncertainty on how it's all going to be handled. There's a lot of, you know, like he was saying with, is it a forbearance? Is it a forgiveness? Normally it's going to be a forbearance. Is that going to be reported negatively on your credit report? Is that going to keep you from purchasing or refinancing in the future? We don't have a lot of real, real clear answers on all of those things. And I don't want to put anybody in a worse situation to have a little temporary relief unless, you know, if they have to do it, they have to do it. Absolutely. But you don't want to get into a forbearance situation where three months in, you have three months worth of payments and interest coming due. That's a really easy, slippery slope for somebody to then go into a foreclosure and then lose your home because you did that forbearance and then you couldn't pay that to get caught back up or, you know, they might stretch it back out and say, oh, you can pay it back to us over a year, but still adding that much onto their monthly payment for the next year might be not feasible either. So especially if after this whole coronavirus thing, if maybe they're not working as many hours, there's so much uncertainty. So if they can possibly stay on track to keep paying their mortgage payment as they are now, that is definitely the safest route for them, I think, financially. Brad, I heard you last week in another call that I was on, you were kind of explaining how it works with loan servicers and their obligation to lenders and how that can, that, that continues, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the, the servicers of these mortgages still have to pay the investors, whether they receive a payment from you or not. Um, the good news is the um, FHF, FHFA came out yesterday and said that servicers would only be obligated to make up to three payments to the investors on their forbearances. So that's still a significant amount of money because we, I think I saw that 5.1% of people didn't make their April payment as of the 15th. So there's still a lot of people not making their payment and that's still a couple months 
the services are going to pay these investors, but at least it gave the servicers direction on what their liquidity was going to look like for the next three to four months. So even though it's not a good thing, at least now they know what they're dealing with and they can start working out numbers and see what their financials are going to look like third quarter and fourth quarter. So um, I think that was a really good thing for them to do, just provide some clarity and so they can plan for the future, which I think will bring some stabilization to mortgage-backed securities, if not today in the next coming days, but definitely in the next couple of weeks. So, and I've heard a lot of people ask this question, why can't we just hit the pause button and just say all payments are, are on pause, all that, not just mortgage, but credit, everything for three months, let's say. Why can't we do that? Well, I think like what Brad was saying, so these, these mortgage servicing companies, like he was saying, they still have to pay the investors, you know, for the money for these mortgage payments that need to be made. And there's also escrow account issues as well. I mean, taxes and insurance still have to be paid. And if people aren't making their payments, when the tax bill comes due, is there going to be enough money in there? What kind of issues is that going to cause? So it's just kind of a snowball when you get into it. Um, on the problems and the more uncertainty that causes for investors and for rates and everything, if people are paying their mortgages. So it's kind of a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, and in, the analogy I use a lot is it's kind of like a, a stream. What happens upstream affects everything down, down the flow. And, 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 you know, you think about it as an investor, you know, one of the things that keeps mortgage rates low are, a lot of investors in mortgage-backed securities. And if, and if you may not be getting paid on your investment after three months, it's going to make you a little bit less likely to be an investor in that, in that kind of tool. So, and, and so it's really one of those things where it, the downstream effects of just putting everything on pause, uh, again, I don't think it would put us in a situation we'd be very happy with down the road. How long do you all think this can go on before we start seeing defaults in large numbers? Any ideas on that? Get out your crystal ball. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, I, to Selena's point, I think the people, some people are going to take the quick fix and defer, ask for deferment or forbearance. But I think the important thing for us as, as a society and for the future of the economy is if you can make your mortgage payment to make it. I know that there's, and I can't speak to them to the letter of what's been written, but I know that there's options on student loans. I know there's options on credit cards. I saw some credit cards are um, doing 0% until 2022 on all charges. Um, so if there's a way that you can get creative financially and still make your mortgage payment, I think that that's the one that you want to keep up with. Cause like Selena said, insurance and taxes are still going to come due. And if there's not enough in the escrow account, they're going to ask you for that too. So, you don't want the county to have liens against your house. You don't want your insurance to, you know, to lapse on your house. Like there's, there's just a huge snowball of problems that come with not making those payments. Now, if they're going to defer them or whatever, just make sure your escrow and everything else is in good working order. And I think it's just asking a lot of questions, you know, don't call your loan servicer and go, Hey, can I make not make a payment for a couple of months? Okay, good. And then hang up the phone. Like you need to be asking a lot of questions. What's this look like? When is this, is this going to be deferred? Is this forbearance? What about, oh, like really, really read the terms and, and really have a lot of discussion around that. So communication is key, right? Absolutely. So it, 
I hear someone starting to talk who had something to say. I was just going to agree with Brad and just say, you know, it it, it really is important to, to have open communication. I mean, I think all of us would say we're, we're not just a lender for a loan, but we're a lender for life. And anything that happens to a client is, you know, you, you one of the things we do is not just process the loan, but also try to give good guidance and good advice to people. And so just talk with your lender and say, Hey, I'm having some difficulty. What options are out there? I think, I think it's probably one of the best starting places before you, you know, try to find the easiest way out. And, and not to, I don't want to be negative here, but I, I want to be realistic and, and talk about best case and worst case scenarios. So let's just say this does go on it extends for three or four months. We start seeing a bunch of defaults. Are we going to start, are, are, are we going to see lenders fail? Are we going to see it uh, become really difficult for marginal borrowers to, to borrow money? What, what do you all see happening? Is it going to be like, Oh eight worse, better? What do you think? I know, I know, I, I know we're all speculating. No one can, yeah. can know for um, sure. I mean, as far as there's already been a few lenders that do some different kind of like non-QM lending and things that are basically shut down right now because um, there's just no market for that and no one wants to invest in those kind of mortgages. Um, so the riskier kind of borrowers in that. And I, it's already harder right now for marginal, you know, buyers that we're kind of on that borderline you know, to be able to get approved for a house right now. You know, I think that there is a possibility that if the default rate is drastic because of this, that maybe some lenders that weren't prepared for that, you know, could possibly be in danger. Hopefully, you know, that's not the case. Hopefully we get through this and we don't have another repeat of 08, but 08 happened for different reasons. So. You know, this is not about, you know, people necessarily getting into bad loans that weren't good for them financially and things like that. You know, this is about this virus and how it's affecting our economy and how it's affecting employment and all of these things. So hopefully when the clouds part, you know, everything will uh, have sunshine on it and it'll get a lot better. Yeah, 08 was more of a foundational problem, right? This is more of an external. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference to the housing crisis and a pandemic. Yes. Yeah. And I think it will be interesting to see what the ripple effect of this is. I mean, even when things start to open up, there may still be some fear and, and people may start wondering, well, do I want to go back to that job? If I'm, if I'm working in a job, say I'm working in the concession stand in a major, major stadium and that was my job. And now, you know, sports are back on and people are coming back in. You, there may still be some fear of people going, well, I'm, I'm not sure I want to do that right now. And, and so I think it's going to be very interesting and hard to predict. And, and hopefully, you know, everybody, including lenders will, We'll, we'll see that it's a very unique situation and there'll be some concessions that are made and some things that'll, that'll help us get to the right place. Yeah. And as we talked about earlier, we keep hearing that term new normal. And I don't know, I, I like to think of it as just a temporary reality. I don't think this is the new normal. I think it's going to eventually, however long it might take, we're going to go back to normal. I don't like that term new normal, <laughs> So, yeah. but I get why people use it. Um, so before we're going to switch gears here in a second, but give me, everybody kind of give me your, your best case, worst case scenario, as far as, you know, how this plays out over here in the next, um, two months, Brad. I think best case is the reports that there may be a lot of people with the antibodies and a lot of people have already had this and 
you know, they're going to say 70 to 80% at some point have already been affected and 60 to 70% are not asymptomatic and don't really have symptoms. And this may not be as bad as we think it is. And then the government and the governors can slowly start opening things back up. I've seen things, reports of things in two weeks, you know, with uh, like sports and entertainment being the last of once they see things kind of go. So I think the best case scenario that kind of comes out and, you know, that if that does happen, I think things will open back up and kind of get back to what you said, like normal, um, quicker, like I said, pretty optimistic about third quarter. I think April and May are still going to be a little slow. Uh, worst case, this is our new reality for all of 2020, right? Until um, <clears throat> these biotech monies, biotech companies can come up with a solution or, you know, some sort of vaccine that they can mass produce for everybody. You know, it could be, this could, this could last a while, um, or it could be pretty short term. I think, you know, the best and worst case are pretty far apart just because there's so much unknown. Anybody have anything to add to that? I kind of feel like the next two months, this new normal is probably going to consistently be our life as far as, you know, the restrictions, the social distancing, the not being able to gather in, you know, fairly large groups. I mean, I kind of feel like, we might have a little reprieve for a while, maybe late summer into early fall where we have a little bit more of a normal. And then I feel like there's probably going to be a, a second wave, unfortunately, in the late fall and the winter where we may have go back to being a little bit more restricted for a while. And hopefully within, you know, bit 12 months is my guess when we're like back to back to normal. I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of from what I've been reading and what I've kind of observed with everything. But, you know, as far as real estate goes, though, fortunately, we don't depend on 50,000 seats in a stadium to be able to do a real estate transaction. So hopefully we can continue to do what we do, um, even through our new normals and semi back to normal stages that we may go through over the next few months to a year. All right, so switching gears here, we're going to get a little bit more on the positive side. What advice, and Barry, why don't you take this one? What advice would you give someone who wants to buy a home when this is all over with? What can they do to make sure that they're in the best shape possible to qualify for a mortgage once this is all over with? Well, I think that the very best thing you can do is, is reach out to a lender right now. Even if you think you may not be looking for a house for six months to go ahead, reach out to a lender, see what your circumstance is. And then you can put a plan in place that's going to get you where you want to be when you're ready to go out and start, start looking for that home because you may need to work on your credit score. You may need to save some money for down payment, maybe some other things, you know, pay off some bills that you need to do, you know, to do to get your debt to income ratio. Right. But if you don't have that, that first initial assessment up front, then you don't want to wait until it's time that you're ready to buy a house to find out that there's some things you need to do that may take you two, three, four months. And even if it's the horizons, you know, pretty long on it, go ahead and talk to a lender, you know, get some of the work done and find out how can I put a plan in place that's going to, going to have me ready when I'm ready to go out and start looking for a house. I think in terms of advice, that's probably uh, the best piece of advice I can give, and it doesn't cost anything, but it can really help you get ready for, for the, when the time comes to get out there and start being in the market. Yeah, to Barry's point, I think he's exactly right. That's what people need to be doing, you know, and it's not just the people that have a 635 or 640 credit score to improve theirs. 
you know, you may have a 700 credit score right now and you know you can qualify, but if we pre-qualify you now, maybe we can tell you some things to do to get your credit to 740 or 760 to get you a better interest rate whenever that time comes. I think that's something that people don't think about. Like, well, I know I've got a good credit score. I know I can qualify for a mortgage. Well, if you pay this one credit card balance down to a dollar, cost you 30 bucks, we can get you your credit score up and get you a lower interest rate. So it's, there's, there's no, there's, you can't contact us too soon. Like that's not a thing. Like Barry said, just as soon as if you think you're six months out, let's talk. You agree with that, Selena? Yeah, I, I do. And I feel like, um, with a lot of these new guidelines and things that are in place, just being mindful of, of those things and informing, you know, the buyers that, you know, we need to be very, very proactive. I mean, it's, it's very risky right now to wait until you're ready to make an offer to get pre-approved because um, there are so many, you know, different factors that we have to look at that weren't in place two months ago. Um, so you definitely want to be prepared. You definitely want to, you know, like he said, it's never too soon to get things in order. So the more time we have, the more time we have to fix things because you never know. A lot of times I have people who, things pop up on their credit report that are fraudulent or whatever the case may be that they just didn't even know were there. So if you wait until the very last minute to get pre-approved, we don't have time to fix that stuff. And now you're ready to buy right now. You really love this house, but we don't have time to get things in order to where you need to be. And so it's just about being, you know, in the know and that kind of stuff. And I've found personally during this time, I'm not spending near as much money as I normally do. Right. So if you're, if you're fortunate, enough to still have a job and still have a steady income, build up those reserves, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to switch gears and uh, lighten it up a little bit here. So I'm going to ask every, each one of you, you know, what are you doing to stay sane during this time? What are you, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing to keep from going nuts when you're, you're stuck in the house and not able to get out and, and live your normal life? We have a ping pong table. My wife and I have actually um, been having a ping pong tournament almost every day with a glass of wine. And then on days like today where it's nice, if it's not raining, we're trying to walk at least four or five miles a day, whether we break that up and do two miles in the morning, a mile in the afternoon, two miles in the evening. We're trying to get at least four or five miles in of being outdoors every day, just walking around the neighborhood. So between you know, still pretty busy in the mortgage world, getting outside and doing some walking and some uh, ping pong tournaments where we're doing okay. How about you, Selena? Life has definitely slowed down some. I mean, I have three kids and all three of my kids go to three different schools. So typically, and they're all very active. So typically my husband and I spend a lot of time running the kids and obviously right now we're not doing that. So there is more, I actually kind of enjoy the slowdown a little bit of, to the speed of things right now and kind of savoring this time with my kids. And we've been, you know, watching movies together as a family and we've been playing games and doing all kinds of different things that we haven't always had enough time to do. So that part of it, I'm kind of really enjoying um, to a certain extent. And I like to drink tequila. <laughs> uh, that can keep me sane sometimes. And I do yoga, so, and I have more time for that now to, to get, I have a whole yoga room in my house. And, you know, unfortunately, when the kids are super busy and I'm super busy at work, I don't get down there into that room as much as I would like. And now I have no excuse. I mean, 
I have nowhere to go. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm able to do that and that helps too. Barry, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things I'm going to say. And, and the first one is, you know, I'm, I'm a little envious of all of everybody that says I have all this extra time on my hands. Cause I, what I'm finding out is that I do too much stuff all the time and, uh, and, and I need to have more things to help keep me sane, but I'm, you know, you know, business is still, I'm still, you know, working quite a bit. We're still fairly busy, but in the times when I'm not working, you know, I'm, I, I do, I've got three podcasts that I, that I put up and manage. I've got a new one I just started. It's called I love Kentucky, which is all about, you know, the, the people, events, and experiences that make Kentucky a great place to live and visit. I do one called the Louisville Cycling Podcast, which is about our cycling community in Louisville. And then I do one for Norton Healthcare called MedChat that I, that I produce for them uh, so physicians can get CME credit for listening to podcasts. And then when I'm not doing that, I still ride my bicycle. I, mean, I get out and, and four or five days a week, I go out for two or three hours on my bicycle. And, and we're not doing big group rides anymore, but I still get out and, and try to do that. And then, you know, then I, always, I try to get out and t- take a motorcycle ride every Every now and then too, I, I, I like to ride my motorcycle and and can get out and go, and that's probably the most relaxing thing I do. But but the biggest thing I'm doing is is trying to figure out why do I keep myself so busy all the time. And I, I need I need some quarantine <laughs> and tequila. Quarantine and right. tequila. <laughs> a really good day. Yeah. Which that kind of brings us to my my next question, which is you know what's your quarantine drink or food of choice? And Selena's already answered that one. Mm-hmm. Brad, how about yourself? really uh on the homemade pizza kick lately and um i'm kind of i'm a bourbon drinker um for the most part shout out to my louisville bourbon hounds here (laughs) yeah and and there's no way i could have a podcast called i love kentucky and not be a bourbon drinker so my go-to is always always bourbon um but but me you know, the temptation of being home a lot now is and, and now my big goal is is not drinking as much bourbon as I want and so if I do that I'm 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 doing pretty well. I'm right there with you, Barry. I stepped on the scale yesterday, and last year I had lost twenty twenty five pounds, and I've been doing pretty good throughout this whole whole scenario here. But for some reason in the past week I've I put on like five pounds, and so well, I'm I trying to. What's that? I can hook you up with a bicycle. <laughs> Well, that's funny. I'm, I'm exercising. I'm walking every morning, lifting weights. It's just, I find myself eating and drinking out of boredom. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to, trying to put the, put the kibosh on that. Anybody else gaining any weight? I'm not, I'm not stepping on a scale. I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. I'm hoping the miles and miles of walking we're doing is, uh, keeping me kind of status quo with the, uh, you know, too often not, you find yourself in the kitchen. Like, how did I get in here? And like, Oh, I'm bored. That's how I got in here. No, I hear you. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Anybody have any parting thoughts or anything you want to leave us with or something we haven't discussed that you feel is, is important. Yeah. I think everybody um, on the panel that you got is, is, is in the same boat. We're still closing loans. You know, the, media and everybody out there, there's too much misinformation or information that only pertains to one certain company. Um, it sounds like we're probably all brokers. So we've got, you know, lenders that are still doing loans and we're still closing deals. I, uh, I scheduled four closings for Friday this morning. So I think it's important for people to know that, you know, if you are looking to buy or relocate or do something in the mortgage world or purchase, like it's still, we're still conducting business. It's just a different way, but we're still doing things. And I think that's important for people to know. Yeah. I'll, I'll carry on that too. I mean, I, I feel like 
I, business is still good. I mean, my year to date is is way up from last year. I mean, it's has the last thirty days ish been a little slower, maybe not much. I mean, I don't I hate to um, rain. I don't know. I I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to make light of everything, but I certainly feel like we we can still operate and do business. And you know, if you continue to work hard and be there for your clients and you know, just go out and do what you do every day and still focus on those things. I mean, you can still make a living in this industry right now. So that's a good thing. And, and I agree with both Brad and Selena, but I'd also add a, a big kudos out there to all the realtors, because if we didn't have creative and innovative realtors, realtors out there trying to, you know, find ways to show houses, you know, doing things remotely, you know, there's a lot of creativity that's happening right now that that's making it because I, I don't have any business if there's not realtors who are selling houses. And, you know, I'm a little bit of refinance business, but but it really it, it, it's really kind of impressive to see what's going on 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 your side of things, Glenn, about how people are overcoming barriers, still showing houses, still selling houses, you know, and, and it, it's kind of funny. I've got a a, a realtor friend who sent me a picture, you know, she was going to, um, to show a house and she had like her, her Lysol can gloves on her mask on. I mean, she looks like she's ready to, to, to go like decontaminate something, but, uh, but just, you know, it, I'm really impressed with what's going on out there on, on the realtor side in terms of, of keeping the ball rolling. Yeah. I've been there and done that. And I think, I really think that's because most realtors we're entrepreneurs, right? We're, we're self-starters, we're self-employed, so when challenges are thrown our way, we're going to find a way to overcome those challenges the best we can. So I think that's, that's why you're seeing that. And same with you guys in the, uh, in the mortgage business. So everyone, I'm going to real quick, I'm going to give you a chance to let everyone know how they can get in touch with you. Brad, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Uh, cell phone right now, 812-989-7555 or email brad at kyinmortgage.com. Selena? Uh, cell phone as well. My cell phone is 502-810-4687 or email at Selena, S-E-L-E-N-A at tvfmortgage.com. And Barry? I'm going to throw out there, um, you know, everything I do is I've got a website called barrygary.com. It's B-A-R-R-Y-G-A-R-Y.com. Uh, you can find all my contact information there, but just real quickly, I'm also at barry at ufglending.com or 502-593-4497. And all three of you are, are consummate professionals. I've worked with all of you. You all do a great job and, and no one can go wrong with, with any one of you. So I really appreciate you spending time with me today. It was very informative and, and good luck to you all. And I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. You all have a good day. All right. Thanks again to Brad, Selena, and Barry for joining us today. And thank you for listening. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast outlet so that you can be sure to get notified whenever a new episode drops. And also, if you have a few minutes, I ask you to go over to podchaser.com, search for putting the real in real estate and give me a short review. For every review posted in the month of April, Podchaser will donate 25 cents to Meals on Wheels and will double that if I respond to the review. Also, my hosting site, Captivate, will match that with another 25 cents up to $750. So that's a great opportunity to not only help out the podcast, but also to raise money for a very worthy cause. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay healthy, stay sane, and treat each other right. 
Until next time, have a great day, everyone.